0: All right, thank you, Steve. Uh, Remember what Steve just read, because we're going to get to that in in just a few minutes. Well, today is the first Sunday in 2024, and we are beginning a new series, a series in the book of Mark that's going to take us all the way to Easter. Now, uh, we often follow the lectionary passages through this season, through the season of Epiphany and into Lent and into Easter, and we're going to be following these passages, and, and many of them are in the Gospel of Mark, but there'll be a week or two where we veer away from the lectionary passage uh, to stay in Mark. So if you're following uh, with an lectionary-based devotional, you might be aware of that. So let me invite you to find a Bible this morning and turn with me to Mark chapter 1. Now, before we read the passage, we're going to be uh, spending just a few minutes discussing uh, uh, some background information on Mark. It's going to help us, I think, as we read uh, this this gospel here, uh, really every week all the way until Easter. Most scholars believe that Mark was written by John Mark. Now, you might remember John Mark from the book of Acts. Scholars tell us he's the son of a woman named Mary, and it's very likely that Mary's house is where the early church met, maybe even the same place where the Lord's Supper took place. Uh, John Mark is also with Paul and Barnabas, and you might remember him there on their first missionary journey. And you might also remember that he was a source of conflict for Paul and Barnabas because they disagreed whether or not they should take him on the second missionary journey. But John Mark is reconciled with Paul and later we find John Mark with Peter, not long before Peter's death. He's mentioned in first Peter chapter five. And as we read the gospel of Mark, we want to know this because Mark is written. Again, Mark is not a disciple of Jesus, but he's with Peter as he writes the gospel. And so Mark is really Peter's account of the gospel. Peter's reflecting back on the life and ministry and death of Jesus. And here Peter's in prison in Rome around the year AD 65, not long before he will, will, will die. And Mark is with him and penning these words. So these are the two points of context we want to remember as we study Mark, that really behind Mark's words is Peter's testimony. And, and secondly, Peter, or Mark is writing this toward the end of Peter's life, again, 30 years or so after Peter's time with Jesus. He's looking back on all that has happened. He's looking back on his experience with Jesus and he's recounting it to Mark. One more characteristic about Mark that is worth noting is that it is the most compact gospel. You'll notice that Mark gets straight to the point. Mark doesn't include a lot of the other details that the other gospel writers include and so at times as we walk through Mark together we'll be dipping into other gospels for a few more details. So here we go, our Bible's open to Mark chapter 1, let's begin together. Now it's common for ancient writers to begin with a formal dedication as they write a gospel or or maybe just a sentence just to let everyone know what they're writing about. That's what Mark is doing here. In verse 1 he says, the beginning of the good news about Jesus the Messiah, the Son of God. To Mark is telling us right up front why he's writing what he's writing. And and like Genesis, Mark begins with the, or uses the word beginning. Did you notice that Genesis one, one says in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And, And here Mark is pointing to a new beginning, the beginning of a new work, a gospel, if you will. And the word gospel literally just means good news. So there's good news that Mark says. It's a new beginning, and it begins with Jesus. Who is Jesus? Mark tells us in the first verse, doesn't he? He is the Messiah, the Son of God. And then Mark points us back to the prophet Isaiah. Look at verse 2 with me. As it is written in Isaiah the prophet, I will send my messenger ahead of you. Who will prepare your way? A voice of one calling in the wilderness. Prepare the way. For the Lord makes straight paths for him." So he's quoting the prophet Isaiah. Now Mark is telling us the story of Jesus and he does not begin at Jesus' birth. He begins with John the Baptist. He understands that John is serving a crucial role in preparing the way for Jesus. Now John is the one who's chosen to announce Jesus. And it's good news. God is working and moving in a new way. And Mark is about to tell us the story. And look how he begins the story, verse 4. And so John the Baptist appeared in the wilderness, preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. So this is how the story goes, Mark says. This is how it all began. John the Baptist appeared in the wilderness, and he's preaching. What's he preaching? He's preaching a baptism of repentance. For the forgiveness of sins now the story is good news because it's going to include the forgiveness of sins and he begins with god's messenger preaching out in the wilderness and what's he doing he's baptizing people how many of you ever thought how how did he know to baptize people right why is he doing this now the word root word for baptism means to dip or to immerse or to plunge and so what he's doing people are coming into the water ...and he is dipping them in the water. He is immersing them in the water. Why is he doing that? In Judaism, there were all sorts of ceremonial washings or cleansings. In fact, one Jewish community near the Dead Sea... ...would often use water as a symbol of cleansing people from sin. And so maybe John is pulling from this Jewish community. We don't really know. But John's baptism... Seems different, doesn't it? Mark describes John's baptism as one of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. So baptism for John is more than a ritual. It is a life transformation. Verse 5 gives us a little more information about what John is doing here. Look at verse 5. The whole Judean countryside and all the people of Jerusalem went out to him. Confessing their sins, they were baptized by him in the Jordan River. People are coming out and they're coming out from, they're coming out to be baptized by John. Now, John is administering the baptism, and people are just, not just walking into the water on their own. They are coming into the water, and John is immersing them. He's, he's preaching, he's calling people to repent he's telling them you need to live your life in a different sort of way you need to turn from the evil in your life and turn toward the good and so that's what repentance is all about and they're being baptized now john showing up in the wilderness is a significant movement now john's ministry is going to last have a lasting impact embedded in verse five here is a description of all of the people from jerusalem coming out to him james edwards in his commentary on Uh, This on verse five says this, the express mention of Jerusalem indicates that John's ministry drew attention and perhaps converts from the ruling elite in the temple as well as from the countryside. He describes John's notoriety and how it's widespread and impressive. The, The verse that Steve read just a few minutes ago tells us about Paul in Ephesus. Now, Ephesus is a good way away from the Judean desert, but even in Ephesus, Paul finds people who have been baptized in John's sort of way, whether they were baptized by John personally, or if they were baptized in this sort of baptism of repentance. So John's message made its way to other parts of the world. Edwards also notes that Josephus, who is a first century Jewish historian, actually spent more time talking about John than he does Jesus. But as Mark pens these words, He wants his readers to know that John's coming was to announce a greater movement of God. John came to point people to Jesus. Verse 6 describes John in detail. Look what it says. John wore clothing made of camel's hair with a leather belt around his waist and he ate locusts and wild honey. Does that sound a little strange to you? Not quite quite the kind of diet I think that you would prefer, right? And and living out and and wearing these strange clothes. But as you read about John the Baptist, you might be reminded of another person who had a similar sort of lifestyle in the Old Testament. A man named Elijah who dressed in similar ways, right? He lived in the desert. He spoke out against the king in his day in the same way that John spoke out against King Herod. Elijah's role was one of bringing the people back to God. You might remember his story. You can read more about it in 1 Kings chapter 18 if you like. But the short of it is that he repaired the altar of God and then God showed up in mighty ways, right? You might remember the contest that Elijah had with the false God, with the false God named Baal and the prophets of Baal. In other words, Elijah was a forerunner of God working and moving in dramatic ways. And in the same sort of way, John the Baptist is the forerunner of God working and moving in dramatic ways. Verse 7 tells us, this was his message. After me comes one more powerful than I, the straps of whose sandals I am not worthy to stoop down and untie. John continues to describe Jesus in verse 8. He says, I baptize you with water but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. Are you with me so far? Mark tells us, look, I'm gonna tell you a story. It's a story of good news. This strange guy is living out in the desert. He's preaching and calling people to forgiveness of sin. In fact, all sorts of people are coming to him Even elite from Jerusalem and people from the countryside. And they're showing up and John is telling them to repent. And they're hearing him and they're repenting. And they're going into the water and he's baptizing them. And their lives are being changed. God is doing something. He's preparing the way for something great. And John is even telling the people, there's one that's coming. More powerful than I. Now in Elijah's day, God showed up in miraculous ways on Mount Carmel. In John's day, God is going to show up. And so we have this narrative so far, don't we? Of John in the desert. And we understand God is working and God is moving. And into this context, Jesus steps out. Jesus steps out from obscurity, from the carpenter shop in Nazareth. Now he's coming into public ministry. Mark records Jesus' baptism rather quickly, but the fact that it is here at the very beginning of the story, at the beginning of his ministry, is important. Now remember, Luke and Matthew record the birth of Jesus, right? The circumstances around the birth of Jesus. That's the first thing that they tell us, but Mark begins with John the Baptist. Verse 9, at that time, Jesus came from Nazareth in Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. Simply put, right? Right? But for Mark, it marks the beginning, the beginning of the good news, the beginning of the gospel. Verses 10 and 11 here affirm the significance of this event. Look what he says. Just as Jesus was coming up out of the water, he saw heaven being torn open and the spirit descending on him like a dove. And a voice came from heaven. You are my son, whom I love. With you, I am well pleased. And that's all Mark says about Jesus's baptism. But Mark's words are important here. Let's dig into them just a little bit here. As Jesus comes up out of the water, Mark says, heaven was torn open. If you're reading this in the Greek, you'll notice that the word that Mark uses is a different word than Matthew and Luke. Matthew and Luke simply say heaven was open, but Mark uses a different word. Mark says, heaven was torn open. And that's a word that's important. As we look at the Old Testament in the Greek language, which is called the Septuagint, we see that that same word is used to describe the opening of the Red Sea. It's also the word used to describe the splitting of the Mount of Olives in Zechariah. The only other time that Mark uses this word, torn open or torn apart, it describes the the curtain in the temple being torn when Jesus dies. It's a dramatic word. Mark says the heavens are ripped open. In other words, God is doing something significant here. It's a dramatic word that describes the heavens opened and then the Spirit descending. Now in Jewish thought, when the Messiah comes, God's Spirit will be with us in a new and a different way. And here Mark is describing Jesus' baptism in that sort of way. It marks the Spirit descending on him. Verse 11 describes a voice coming from the torn open heaven. The voice states Jesus' identity and authority. Jesus is the son, the son of God, Mark says. And no one in the Bible had ever been called the son of God before. Abraham was referred to as a friend of God. Moses, a servant of God. Aaron, the chosen one of God. David, a man after God's own heart. Paul's described as an apostle. But Jesus is called God's son and the father is pleased with the son it's a dramatic event so what do we do with this what does it mean for us you might say well that's kind of interesting what does it mean for us in 2024 almost at 2023 right Mark with Peter's testimony informing his writing is telling us about Jesus he wants us to know that Jesus is the Messiah That Jesus is fulfilling the Old Testament promises. He wants us to know that Jesus' coming is good news. And it all starts with this guy named John the Baptist. This strange man living out in the desert. God was up to something significant. All these people are showing up. They're coming out into the desert. They're confessing their sins. They're being baptized by John. And the whole time John is saying that someone greater than me is coming. And then Jesus shows up. He came to be baptized. Up to. And when he does, Mark tells us, the heavens were torn open. The spirit descended on him. A voice from heaven confirmed his identity. Can't you see Peter? Maybe in a jail cell. Mark sitting by. Listening to the words, Peter describing it. You wouldn't believe it, Mark. It was was crazy. The heavens were ripped open. God was doing something special. Yes, Mark, he's God. He's Messiah. And this is how it all began. His mission was one of bringing forgiveness of sins. Now, we're going to continue to unpack this story over the next several months. But these first, first, these first 11 verses really set the stage for us. The question, about, the question for us today is, what do we think of Jesus, right? Maybe you're here this morning, maybe you're wondering about Jesus. Who is he really? What did he come to do? I hope that you'll join me on this journey over the next several months as we walk through the story. Over and over, story after story, encounter after encounter, Mark's going to describe Peter's journey with Jesus I hope that you'll join me in this story hope that each week you'll come expecting to hear another piece of the story ready to figure out who Jesus is Mark says he's the Messiah the son of God he's going to tell us why would you pray with me God as we step into the story as recorded by Mark We pray, God, that you would open our hearts to hear it. Maybe as if we're hearing it for the first time. As we watch you work and move. As we watch Jesus work and move. May we know that he is Lord, that he is Messiah. That he's come to bring forgiveness of sins. God, open our hearts to your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.